Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we flip the real estate status quo on its head and put loan officers into the driver's seat. We give you all the tools, strategies, resources, and mindset needed to modernize your mortgage business and thrive. And my name is Luke Shankula, aka Longform Luke, and this is the Loans On Demand podcast. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we help loan officers flip the status quo on real estate agents and put loan officers in the driver's seat. And today I'm excited because we have the one, the only Stephanie Weeks. She is a loan officer for 18 years. Uh, She's been top 1% in the industry. She's written a book. She's done all kinds of stuff. I think she says she's got 200 videos on YouTube, which is crazy. So you know what? Without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and let her introduce herself. Thank you for being here, Stephanie. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I always joke and say as awful and boring as mortgages sound, I actually like it and (laughs) try to have fun doing it. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you've been in the industry for 18 years, you've been around a couple cycles and uh, I'm sure you've seen the ups and downs of the markets, but talk a little bit about before we kind of get into all the things you're doing now to grow your business. I'm a sucker for the come up story, kind of like what it looked like when you're getting started. So what kind of got you into the mortgage industry and talk about like what it looked like kind of towards the beginning? Well, first, give us a little background on who you are and stuff like that. I forgot, like that was the main thing I wanted to hit on right here. So I am a wife and a mother and I am human. So I make mistakes, but no one will outwork me. And I really enjoy doing mortgages and educating people. Mm -hmm. I came from a background of I'm the first one in my family to graduate college. So that was huge. Love it. And really come from like super low income background. Sure. And always just wanted to be different and do something different and always wanted to break the cycle and never thought that I would be doing mortgage loans. Love it. Love it. Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, as an entrepreneur myself, just talking with other entrepreneurs, it seems like that's the trend, right? The people that are hardest working, the ones that are really kind of got that chip on their shoulder are typically the ones that were raised, maybe not a lot of money, you know, and so many times people like to say, well, the people that are successful, you know, they had a leg up or, you know, they were born with a silver spoon in their mouth. And what's funny is that sure, there's a small percentage of people that were set up to succeed, but most of the people that I've talked to don't have that background, right? They almost were set up to fail and yet they won and they succeeded despite it all, right? Yes, definitely set up to fail. And at some point I decided, I'm trying to pinpoint it. I think it was around maybe 17 or so that Mm -hmm. I decided I can continue to feel the victim and let these patterns continue from my history, my ancestry, or Mm -hmm. I can choose to use it as motivation to do something different. Yeah, I love that. I was uh, actually today, I was just listening to kind of like a motivational video on YouTube. One of the things that it was kind of about being the one, like, are you the one, the one that's going to change your family history? Like, and so it was a pretty cool, like motivational video. It's like, it really plays into this idea of like, you don't have to be, I mean, it's like that story of the two kids with the alcoholic dad, right? It's like, you know, one kid's like, well, how could I not be an alcoholic? Like, look at my dad. And the other guy's like, how could I be an alcoholic? Look at my dad. You know, it's like, so you can choose really what you want to do just depending on the choices you make. And that's what I love about entrepreneurship. I love about, you know, being a business owner is that you get to decide what you want out of life. You get to decide how much you put into it and the outcomes are typically based off of the inputs. And so I love that, you know, you kind of came from that, you know, harder background and then yet still decided that, you know what, I'm going to change the way 
I view everything. And so then what actually got you into the mortgage industry? Because I'm sure you didn't like grow up like saying, I want to slang loans, you know, that's probably not the first thing you wanted to do. The funny thing is I feel like everything always happens for a reason. And sometimes Mm -hmm. it really sucks while you're waiting for the answer for the sucky Mm -hmm. thing, you know, that happened. But I always wanted to be a medical malpractice attorney. And I actually wanted to go to law school and medical school. So I could really be a specialist of an attorney because I also had a medical degree as well. Mm -hmm. And my husband and I were together for five years. Well, we were together for eight years, but married for five. And I found out that I was pregnant with my daughter. Well, I had been going to school full-time and working full-time. So my days consisted of getting up at 5.30 in the morning, going to the gym, driving an hour into New Orleans, working from 8 to 5, going to school from 6 to 9, driving home from 9 to 10, and then rinse and repeat, basically. And yes, it was April. I was supposed to start law school in August and I'm like, well, can't really fit a baby into that schedule. Like that's not realistic at all. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even have someone to try to raise my kid like a nanny or something at the time, you know? So it was like, I had to figure something else out. And I bought my first house at 18. Wow. By this time I was 24 and I was on, I think my third piece of real estate, pretty sure. And I decided, oh gosh, well, what in the world am I going to do? I called the loan officer that was doing the loan I was going through to go to the fourth piece of real estate. And I asked, I said, do you like what you do? What do you like? What do you not? Do you make really good money? You know, kind of tell me about it. And then do you think that I would be good at it? It sticks to me to this day, 19 years later at this point, he said, it's like your own business. And if you can't commit to work for free for two years, please don't even start. Yeah, smart. And that was huge. That was huge. And so I didn't know what to do. And he said, look, I can get you a job because I believe you would be good at this. And I was like, no, because I want you to be responsible if I fail. I don't think I'm going to fail, but I'd really like to do it on my own. So I really wish so hard I had this letter. Oh, my God. So I wrote a letter to the president of CPB Bank, which doesn't even exist anymore. And I'm not kidding. I had a couple of friends read it and they were like, you're not sending this. I'm like, I am totally (laughs) sending this. It pretty much said that, hi, I'm Stephanie and I've decided to be a loan officer and I'm going to be one of the best in the business. And if you don't hire me, you're going to really, really regret it. And I'll call you later and say, look what I did. Pretty much is what the letter said. (laughs) So he called me and interviewed me. And then he called me back and said, look, you interviewed me. I didn't even interview you. Like, when do you want to start? I believe in you. And that's kind of how it started. Wow. Yeah. So how were the first two years? From the aspect of money, it was difficult because there were months where I actually paid to work because by the time I spent money for advertising and lunches and things like that and didn't close anything, it actually cost me money and I lost money. And so it wasn't super easy, but I had that in the back of my mind. If I believe in myself and I can just get through that first two years, then something really good can happen. And so that was one of my motivations that was kind of there, like saying, keep pushing, keep pushing. 
Gotcha. Gotcha. And was it two years that it took before you got the breakthrough or was it faster? Was it longer? What was kind of the breakthrough? It was probably, it depends on what breakthrough you're saying. So if it was a breakthrough of, okay, I was still making the same amount of money that might've taken me a year. If it was the breakthrough of, oh my gosh, I'm actually making more money than I thought I would have. That would probably Mm -hmm. be two years. Gotcha. Neither's bad actually. Yeah. I was going to say that's great. I mean, you, you see a lot of times, I mean, you know, in an industry like this, real estate mortgage, you see a lot of times the fallout, right? It's huge. And it's funny because I actually had someone that reached out to me a number of years ago that said, Hey, like, I know you work with real estate agents, loan officers. Like I'm really thinking about being a real estate agent. And she's like, they make a bunch of money. Right. And I said, well, I mean, they can make a lot of money, but in general, I think the average real estate agent or loan officer makes, I don't think about $50,000 a year, which is like, okay, like you could make that type of money with a lot less levels of stress doing just about any other job. Right. So it's like, there's no point in doing real estate or mortgage if you're not you know, going to at least make six figures, right? Because I really think like, it's one of the only industries out there that doesn't require, it's a fairly low barrier to entry where you can make, you know, stupid money, right? Like money that's life-changing, but you have to be, you know, willing to grind. And again, give one to two, three, four, five years of, you know, of not making very much money to then get those breaks. So yeah, that's awesome that you, you know, put in the work and you saw the success, you know, over time. Thank you. So I guess fast forward to today, you know, you've achieved a lot of things. You've uh, you know been top 1% on the, I think it's that executive magazine award or something like that. And so like, what's kind of the day in the life of Stephanie today? Today is still a massive grind. Long Especially days. Today. Yes. Long Especially days 2022. every day. Yes. The loans are harder for sure. Right. I think the clients are more difficult. It's like, all pages of your bank statement, not a crumbled up piece of a picture with like brown stuff on it. Oh my God, what's the brown stuff? Never mind, don't uh-huh. answer. I like yeah. really. And so, but the day in the life is kind of just doing a lot of different things. I wish mm-hmm. that I could say I just I get up and I call 40 people and magic things happen, but it's not. It's calling 40 people and texting 40 people and Facebook messaging 40 people and then recording two videos you know, one for fun and then one for like some type of mortgage education. And then it's teaching real estate agents, different classes. And then it's, well, I can't forget to call people back and actually do loan applications right. and actually work on loans and then do it updates for the loans. And, you know, now things are so different. When I started, it was, this is going to be funny, but it's real. Advertise in the newspaper. I know, sounds really old. But advertise in the newspaper and then advertise in the real estate magazines and just show up at real estate offices all the time. And there was more to it than that. But that was like, okay, you could do that. But now you've got to be on Insta and on Facebook and on YouTube and in the messenger and in the text message and in the email So it's harder because you really have to be spread thinner because you have to hit every avenue because not everybody's on one platform. Right, right. And that makes sense. And people digest information in different ways as well, right? I mean, you know, I think Facebook has, I think maybe 97% of the people that like are going to be on the other platforms, but there's certain people that are just, for whatever reason, they just don't have a Facebook, right? So it's like, okay, well, how do you reach those people? You have to be on one of the other platforms. Maybe it's TikTok, maybe it's Instagram. And yeah, it is a lot. And you know, what would you say to someone who's kind of just starting out though? I mean, I would say like, you probably don't want to get too thin if you're just kind of starting out in this space. Like, what would you say to someone who's just getting started on stuff like social media? If you're just getting started on social media, 
I would say mix it with your real personality. Like I got this example yesterday, not of me because I don't do it, but someone else. Whereas someone would be posting videos always in a suit and tie. And then when you see them in real life, they're always in like gym shorts and a t-shirt. Either Mm -hmm. one's totally fine, but whatever you are, be you. So if you're the gym short person, that's what you wear in the videos, right? So be yourself, be authentic. Don't just be business and don't just be personal. People do business with people that they know, like, and trust. And so if they know you because they know you have a dog or a kid or work out on Wednesdays, right? And they like you because you're being authentic in yourself. And if you mess up, you don't stop and re-record. Like you're just like, oh my gosh, I said, huh, too many times. That's funny. Let's move on. (laughs) And leave that there and don't be so polished and perfect because I think the days of people being intrigued or inspired by the thin women in the bikinis on the yachts and the Lambos, like people are calling that out now. Like that's a Mm -hmm. bunch of bull. You know what I mean? So they want to see you and see that you're flawed and see that, you know, you'll work hard and see that you care about the people you're working with and working for. I think that would be really important to start. Yeah. I love that. I agree because there's, I think so many times, I mean, you see this all the time with even real estate agents, right? It's like, you know, they see that they only post their listings, right? They're posting listings, listing listings. It's like, cool. Like small percentage of it needs to be business. And a lot of it really needs to be like who you are showcasing who you are as a person. Because if you are only posting business stuff, you're like, ah, oh, this person's born. There's the business only. But like, even to your point with a suit, like, you know, be authentic to who you truly are. Because like, if you're not, like, it's going to be pretty obvious when people meet you in person, if they meet you in person, it's going to be pretty obvious that you're not being congruent. And, you know, I know authenticity has been kind of a cliche term, but I do truly believe that true authenticity is really what attracts people to you. So being yourself, your true authentic self on these platforms and like sharing sometimes the vulnerabilities, like, yeah, you don't want to use your Facebook or your Instagram or like your things as like a personal diary to like talk about all the hard things you go through, but like letting people know that you do make mistakes and things like that. Like this makes you not stand out as like this person that's like perfect. I go on vacations. My life's perfect. Like only things I do are perfect things. I'm not willing to share when I have made a mistake, I think that also kind of not repels people, but it also feels like you're kind of, it's unattainable. Right. And so I do think, you know, like doing like what you said is like, you know, messing up in a video and being okay with posting it. That's totally cool. And like, you know, again, I mean, you don't see my background as a podcast, but my background is all fancy. But like, if I only do videos with just the fancy background, you know, people are gonna be like, oh, this guy's always businessy. So there's like also even using cell phone videos as a way to, you know, push that information out or show who you are in a more authentic light is probably another way. You know, when you're doing videos, it's just kind of cell phone videos. Do you have a fancy setup or what are you kind of doing there? My motto is always keep things as simple as physically possible. So if I can alleviate a step, I'm going to do it. Sure. I use my cell phone for all recording. You definitely want to have like a 13 or better iPhone. Sure. To have just great quality camera and sound. And you could start with as simple as that. If you want to add something and not spend a lot, then add a tripod so that you're not holding it, you know, and looking at yourself while you're trying to video sure. Just have a tripod set up. And then if you want to add another step, then you can add a mic. And there's a lot of fantastic ones out there for like a hundred dollars or less. Right. That's what I would say to use. That's pretty much what I use. And then if you want to add another piece, maybe you could add a light. My cell phone's the most expensive of my equipment. Taking that out the loop between the tripod, the lighting, 
and the mic, I mean, I might have 200 bucks. It's all you need. I don't need all these other extra fancy things that are going to require extra steps. Right. Yeah. And that's huge. Because I think so many times people overthinking like, what kind of things do I need? It's like, just get started is the main thing, really. It's just do it. You know, again, I mean, we have, you know, virtual supercomputers with, I mean, even my camera on my, you know, I have a Samsung, whatever, but the S20, I don't know what it is, S22 or whatever, but it's incredible because, I mean, I remember I got gifted a camera a couple of years back. I don't know, it was five or six years ago. Like this is like 10 times better than like an, a real digital camera was, you know, five years ago and it's gone a cell phone. So it's incredible, like how impressive these cameras can be. And, you know, again, lighting is huge, but you can use natural light, right? Like you don't necessarily have to have a light, like you mentioned, but having the phone and again, being authentic and being out, maybe you're on a walk and you do a little selfie video. That's going to be good because it's going to attract the people that are like, Oh, cool. I like going on walks. Like, what is this person saying? That's pretty cool. So I know you said you've done, you know, I think you said over 200 videos on your YouTube channel. What sort of things are you talking about on those channels? And in terms of like, do you generate you know, a good amount of leads from that? Is it kind of to get to clients? What's kind of the purpose of the YouTube channel? I mean, doing 200 videos is a lot. So let's kind of break that down a little bit, if you don't mind. Sure. My motivation is a number that I heard probably around, gosh, 2015. And mm-hmm. nope, I'm lying. It was more like 2011. It was that on average in the US every year, Around 21 million people every year apply for mortgages and only around 7 million close. And keep Mm. in mind, that's the triggered RESPA apply for mortgages. That's just not the credit pool. That's just not the prospect, right? Right. That's legitimately like not a real number, right? So even using that number, which I know is very low, only a third close. It's not because only a third qualify. It's because the system is broken. The mortgage industry does things backwards. On top of that, there's lack of accurate information. There's lack of knowledge. There's lack of communication. There's miscommunication. I'm like, something's wrong with that. And then fast forward five or six years. And I kept looking for like, okay, what book can I buy for people? Because I get the same questions over and over and over. And I found one or two books, but it was like, and this is how you calculate mortgage insurance. Well, let's be clear. No one gives a shit, right? So they don't want that number. They don't want that information. They want to know who's the wizard behind the curtain. Why in the world are they asking me for something so stupid? Why do they care about this? Why do they care about that? And so I said, well, I guess I need to write a book. And I talked about it, talked about it, thought about it. And then one year I said, you know what? This is it. I'm doing it. I don't care what I do, but for five minutes every day, I am going to do something to make this book happen. Whether it's, Mm. and I'm not going to only write in a certain notebook. I'm not going to only write in a certain Google doc. It doesn't matter if I'm like voice recording, I'm writing a note in my phone. I'm doing something where I am to get it done. Literally from that moment, I decided that and put myself up for that plan. 18 months later, the book was done and published. And that's pretty quick that long ago, like now it's not quick, right? But that many years ago, it was quick. And so the point of the book was, all right, how can I answer these questions that are always being asked? How can I educate consumers more so they have a better chance at closing a loan? And how can I do it in like 45 minutes because no one wants to sit still? And so that's kind of where Mortgage Peace came from. And the YouTube is along the same lines. So what's my content? 
Well, when a million people ask if you can lock a rate before you have a house, there's a video. If a million people ask about a doctor loan, there's a video. If a bunch mm -hmm. of people are asking, like, why do you ask for page five of the bank statement all the time? That's a loan on documentation, right? If people ask a lot, well, you have to have tax returns if you're self-employed. Well, there's a bank statement video. So it's really inspired from what people are asking, what people are looking for. And then that's what inspires me to do the content and record the video in layman's terms in real life with my mess ups when I fumble my words and mm -hmm. just explain and make it just understandable and not such a big, big elephant to try to eat at one time that people can really relate to. Sure, sure. So it's basically a massive frequently asked questions library for you, huh? Pretty much, yeah. Love it, love it. And that's huge. And we had the co-founder of BombBomb, Darren Dawson, on the show a couple episodes ago, and he talked about even using something like BombBomb to create evergreen videos. So obviously it's something you've done on YouTube, which is something you could do you know, as a loan officer is create. Yeah, think about like, one, this is great because you have information out there, but two, this is saving you time technically because you can just direct someone to these videos and say, hey, okay, great. This is a great question. Here's a video I did specifically on this topic. So you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. One, you're saving yourself some time. Two, you're answering their question. And now I guess there's a third thing is three, you're showing yourself as a person and you're personalizing who you are, especially if these are someone that you know, maybe don't know who you are. And so they're actually getting to kind of know you based off of your tone, inflection, the way you speak, things like that. And so there's like kind of developing semi that parasocial relationship with people kind of at scale, which is impressive. So I love that you've done that. And do you use that as a way to just kind of send people there? Or do you get people that organically just stumble on your content? Or how does that kind of work? I get people that organically stumble on the content. And what's the biggest thing that we want as loan officers is to be able to refer back to realtors and not only be yep. needy, but be, you know, where you can provide as well. And so it's great because it generates leads that then I can get fully pre-approved and then be able to refer to realtors who are referring to me to have mm -hmm. a really good relationship where we're a true team helping each other both right. ways back and forth not just one way. Yeah. One of the reasons why I actually started the podcast again is, you know, to flip the status quo on real estate agents, because for so long, I mean, I even worked with real estate agents early on. I've got no problem with real estate agents, but I just saw how kind of flipped upside down the industry was. And it's like, okay, well, theoretically, and then when you look at other countries, other countries of the world, like the consumer knows that they're supposed to go get financing before they start looking at houses. For whatever reason here in the US, it's backwards. They go to the real estate agent thinking, hey, I got to go to the real estate agent. And then it gets referred back. So if you can generate those leads on the front end, you get to one, have power to you know use this as leverage. But two, like you mentioned, you get to have a real reciprocal relationship. And so many times loan officers try to say, well, people don't want the loan. You know, People don't go to a, to a loan officer if they go to the real estate agent. My argument is... The reason why they go to the real estate agents is because real estate agents have marketed to the consumer for the last, whatever, 100 years, and loan officers have been taught to go market to real estate agents. So of course, the consumer is going to go to the person that's marketing to them. They're going to go to the realtor. And obviously, the real estate is like what they really want. But at the end of the day, I mean, you've proven that it's not true necessarily because you are actually marketing to the consumer, which allows you to have that leverage. So I think that's brilliant. And again, it allows you to have more power and choose who you get to work with, I'm assuming, right? Yes. Yes. And I love it because it's like, I mean, my gosh, like even the ones I don't close, like I love to get messages that, oh my gosh, like, yes, they were going to turn me down. And I made these suggestions on your video and like they approved mm -hmm. my loan or, 
oh my gosh, like I totally understood my closing disclosure. I mean, I get these, you know, messages for even things that I don't even touch or help with, but I'm actually helping. And that is part of my whole mission to make sure that more people get approved that really should get approved, but aren't because Mm -hmm. of, like I said, lack of accurate information, miscommunication, things like that. Well, and I think that's huge. I mean, because there's so many loan officers and I don't, you know, don't be offended if I say this to, you know, if you're listening, but like, there's so many loan officers that are so transactional minded. They're only thinking about business today. They're like, oh, how do I get the business for today? And they don't think about like, well, these people that I'm talking to could either be referrals for me. They could be future business. If I just set them up with a plan and explain it to them in the right way. And, you know, you've clearly done it in a way that's like, okay, I actually care about the people that I'm serving and I want them to see success, even if they don't end up working with me, you know, yes. and I think that goes a long way because you're doing it from a genuine place of like, I actually want to help people. Whereas like, you know, sometimes people are doing it as like a, and it can be selfish too. Obviously you want to make money too. At the end of the day, I mean, that's what we're all in it for, but yeah. at the same time you could do both things, right? Serve people and also make money, which is huge. Yes. And that's the biggest tip I could give is that, the number one tip would be do whatever's best for them and not what's best for you. And -hmm. sometimes that means you happen to do work a little harder or go a little extra or wait a little longer, but whatever you can do that's best for the consumer, that's the number one tip. That's really like paying it forward to where it's then going to turn around and come back to you in a good way. Yeah. It's like karma, right? Yeah. You do the Uh right thing for people and they tend to come back around and serve you. And I think you got to think about it too, from the standpoint of, a loan is not one loan. I mean, if you do it the right way, a loan could be, okay, well, you capture this one person and now you're going to do their whatever five to seven lifetime transactions. And if you think about it as like, well, I just got to get a loan today and then forget about that person. Don't serve that person. And also just kind of throw the people away that aren't ready to buy today, which again, a lot of people do. They're like, well, this person's not ready to buy, you know, for six or 12 months. They're just tire kickers. It's like, no, they're in the buyer's journey of what a typical real estate prospect it goes through. Most people, when they are starting to look for a home, they start looking and doing research six to 24 months in advance. And exactly. to think that like, you know, as a loan officer, because yeah, you get referrals from real estate agents, these people are ready to move forward today, but they've already gone through this whole psychological journey of like, okay, well now I've looked at Zillow and I started to do these things and I reached out to real estate agent. Now I'm ready to have this conversation. But if you only think about it from that standpoint, you're missing out on a massive group of people that you can nurture over time and then turn into clients. So, man, you've done uh, some cool things. What are the cool strategies? What are the cool things do you do? I mean, it sounds like you got a lot of things going on. YouTube videos, you post on all these platforms. Like, how do you find the time to do all that? You just grind. It's not easy. Yeah, it's not easy. It's just really not. I just, luckily, I am able to move faster than like anybody I know. I'll never forget this. A few years back, an IT guy, because I'm always breaking all my electronics. And um, he's like sitting at my desk and he's like, his name was Dave. And he goes, can I tell you something? And I'm like, "Uh, I guess. (laughs) What are you trying to say? You know? And he was like, not being rude, but the computer can't move fast enough for you. Like you're always breaking stuff because you're trying to have it do five and six things at one time. Like it can't do that. So you know what, how I figured that out? I literally, you know, people have multiple screens. I have Uh two laptops. I don't use any extra screens. I work on two computers at once. That way, when one's being too slow for me, well, I'm going to the next project on the other computer when that thing's ready for me. And like, I'm kind of jumping back and forth. So I can do a lot of things at one time and I move really, really quickly with things, but it's not easy. Like I said, because you've got to work the loan, but then call the next realtor, but then call that one back and then deal with the issue when the house doesn't appraise 
and so on and so forth. But I think when people realize that you genuinely do care and you do try for what is best for them and you update them every step, that includes the realtors, then people really appreciate that. And what I'm seeing now that's really cool is I'm now financing. And you know how you said finance people for like three, four, five times? I'm seeing right. that for sure now that I look backwards, but now I'm financing their kids. It's right. freaking so cool. Like, so cool. So that's been really enjoyable. And that's the thing, right? Is like, you have to think about it as like, this is not one transaction. If you play your cards right, this could be, again, their future loans, but it could be their referrals. And it could be, you know, it just starts to have this ripple effect that people don't think about, right? They think about it as, all right, well, I got to get this one loan. And then they forget about it. It's like, well, it's so much harder to acquire a new business than it is to, you know, nurture existing business. And that's really what it comes down to. So, I mean, it sounds like you have a pretty structured way of doing that. Like, do you have a team that kind of helps you with some of this stuff as far as outreach? Or is it kind of you that does a lot of the outreach to your past clients, realtors, things like that? Or what does that kind of look like on your front? Sure, I definitely have a team that helps. They do more of like, if I need to send you know, a document or mm -hmm. um, upload a document, like they're doing those kind of things for me. That way I sure. can be the communicator with the customer, but those things definitely leverage me. And I put a lot of processes in place. I like that you said, nurture the existing versus trying to get someone brand new and sell them on you. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people miss the boat of when that loan is closed. My most favorite phone call throughout the entire transaction is when I call the borrower that closed about 30 days ago and I can hear in their voice when I say, Hey, it's Stephanie. They go, they're thinking, Oh my God, what does she need? What's wrong? Right. And I get <laughs> to say, I don't need anything. I'm just checking on you. Did you get moved in? How did Susie like the purple room color that you surprised her with? I know there were a lot of things that were going on. Have other questions come up that you thought you forgot to ask me? Don't forget about this. And it's just, it's such a fun phone call because it starts out like they're scared to death. And I'm like, hey, dude, I'm just calling to chat, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. And so that's really fun. And I don't think most loan officers are doing those phone calls or when it comes to the birthdays and, you know, your sales force or whatever it is, is like emailing them. And that's great. Like it's something. But sure. how about also texting them a quick video? Hey, Sam, happy birthday today. I hope you have a really great day. You know, do something fun, whatever. That literally will take me 10 seconds, mm -hmm. 25 seconds, including actually dialing the number and sending the text, you know? So it's all of those little extra touches or like another, maybe 90 days after the close, sending a text of, Hey, don't forget, you know, if you need that handyman, you need that painter, you need that housekeeper. Like I have connections and I can definitely hook you up with people. So it's being an advocate. It's being someone that brings value to their life. It's mm -hmm. helping them with one less thing to do or one less thing to think about. And it really helps to build that long-term relationship. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, you know, being a connector is a hugely profitable thing to do because if you know people and you can connect people, I mean, you know, people are going to remember that and that's huge. And especially the way you, you know, you kind of talked about it. It's just like, yeah, just check it in to see how you're doing. But it's that touch. And I know a lot of people teach like asking for referrals all the time. And that's fine. It's totally cool to ask for referrals. But like, is it more so just like, hey, I'm just going to genuinely check in with them and not ask for referrals. And they just end up. Yes, like saying, that oh, phone yeah, call, you know yes, I do ask for referrals, of course. But like that is one of the phone calls where I'm not asking for anything. But do you sure. need anything? And did you get moved in? How did it go? 
so on and so forth. Like, I'm not asking mm -hmm. for anything. That is just a genuine, like, cause they'll say things like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you called actually, because I right. forgot, like, where am I sending the payment? I didn't see anything. Oh, well, it's in your packet. Let me send you another copy, you know, mm -hmm. whatever the case may be, or, oh my God, I'm so glad you called because they told me something about a homestead exemption. And then I just like dumped it. And then I remembered and freaked out, but then I got busy again. And so like, they'll have things to ask you. They always do. Yeah, I love it. I mean, and that's something that I think loan officers forget is, I mean, there's the curse of knowledge, right? It's something, you know, as a marketer, like if I start talking about pixels and all kinds of stuff like that, like it just kind of goes over people's head. It's just same thing with loan officers. Like they start talking about LTV, DTI, all these things. And even like, I mean, I worked in the mortgage industry for four and a half years and now I've worked with loan officers for another five years. And it's like, I did a refinance in January of 21 and I got the fee sheet and I was like, what does this even mean? <laughs> like what's going mm -hmm. on loan officer? Like, what does this even mean? And I'm someone who's been in the industry. So imagine someone, a typical consumer has zero knowledge of this process. And then we start overwhelming them with all kinds of conversations around things they don't understand. So yeah, there's always going to be questions because again, even as a consumer that's been in the industry for, you know, almost 10 years now, or at least very closely tied to the industry for 10 years now, it's still, it's a lot, right? You're not doing it every single day. I mean, loan officers, you know, you guys are looking at disclosures every day. So it's like, Hey, you know what? Like you got to understand people are going to have questions. And then there is those things that you don't, you forget about that maybe aren't even part of the transaction. Like, again, where do you send your payment? And that's something that's kind of scary at first, right? Like what mm -hmm. do I do with this? So that's yeah. pretty cool. So typically I like to kind of go into I know we kind of talked a little bit about that, but like if you were to start over again today, so I like to leave with like a tactic, like if we were to start over today, what would you go out to do today to get more business? Like if you were to start, like instead of starting 18 years ago, you started today, like what would you go out and do today to get more business? If I was completely starting from scratch, it's going to sound weird, but I would probably spend more time on social media. And that's from the point of, Let's say that Susie is a realtor that you've admired for years and you would mm -hmm. love to get her business. Today's a different world than when I started. So sure. if you go try to door knock on Susie, you're going to be a creep. Okay. If you try to call her, you're not going to get a lot of time. But right. if you pay attention to Susie on social media and you comment on her son, Timmy's birthday, Right. And then she gets the award and you say, congratulations, but you message her on the side. That's really awesome. I love seeing hard work pay off. I've been seeing you hustle. You deserve the award and genuinely get to know people in the way that we now have to via social media. Then when you do that and you become on their radar and you're starting to connect with them, they'll start looking you up and then you start to connect. And then you can ask for a meeting and you're going to get it. Yeah, I love it. I mean, you're standing out from everybody else. I mean, again, I mean, that's one of the big reasons that I even started this podcast was to learn from, you know, top producers, different people in the industry of like, what are they doing to stand out from the crowd? Because again, I mean, you know, if you approach the traditional way, a realtor of like, hey, you cold call 40 realtors on a Monday, which again, I mean, that works, you know, and that's totally something that you can do. But like, how do you stand out from the crowd? Like, how do you show up in a different way? What are other types of value can you show? And again, like you said, like shooting the messages, like I mean, you talked about the birthday video, do you send birthday DMs on social as well? Because that's a huge strategy. I have not done that. No, this is more for like current and past clients I'm talking about. Sure. And like, even if like I'm currently working with a client and their birthday comes up, 
then I'll call the realtor and say, Hey, it's Luke's birthday today. You might want to reach mm-hmm. out. And so like, mm-hmm. that's like another thing that's going to make you stand out for that's that awesome. realtor, you know, that you're helping them, you have their back. Yeah, that's huge. And then obviously you're able to give back, which allows you to stand out from the crowd as well. I mean, obviously in current status, right? Like not as a new loan officer, but you have this capacity to give back in a way where you're, you know, giving these extra touches, but also you can actually give them leads. And it was interesting. There was a Facebook post in a group uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it was like, someone said something about like, oh, needing like realtors not getting any deals back from their lenders. And it was like the whole, like it just was scrolling through the whole thing. And like, I'd say 90% of the realtors are like, I've never gotten a deal from my loan officer. There's a couple of people like, yeah, I've gotten a couple, but 90% of stuff, yeah. I've never got a deal from my loan officer. So you're definitely going to stand out if you're able to do things like that. But I love the fact that like, you know, you would just spend time on there. And I think that's huge for anybody that is, you know, kind of listening and looking to jumpstart is social media allows you to network at scale without having to be like, you know, the awkward person at BNI's and, you know, networking events and things like that. That's like, hi, here's my card. You know, you get to actually show them like who you are via online as well, which is huge. But I mean, sending them messages and then engaging is huge because so many times people think they can just post on social media and they're just going to get business. But what you're saying is like a lot of it comes down to actually engaging with them on their other posts and then sending them a message versus like, hey, give me your business today. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Love it. Love it. That's awesome. So if someone wanted to kind of you know learn a little bit more about you, uh, kind of find some more information about maybe your book or any of your channels, is there anywhere that they can go find some more information about you, find you online? What's kind of the best place to find you? Sure. So they can go to weeksteam.com. So weeksteam.com. I've also got stephanieweeks.com as well. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, that's... Uh, and I'm happy to help anybody. I'm yeah. happy to share anything with any loan officer. That's awesome. I mean, I think that's huge to have that abundance mindset, understanding that there's plenty of business out there for everyone. Obviously, you know, there's probably plenty of competitors in your direct market and, you know, everybody's getting their share of the business. So there's plenty of business to be had. So I love that mindset. And for me, like, you know, a couple of takeaways from this sort of podcast is I really like the fact that you came into this with this idea that I want to help people, you know, and, you know, you said back in 2011, I mean, that's been what, 11 years now that you've kind of had this mindset of, I want to help serve the people that are looking to buy homes. Because I mean, you said like, you know, a third of people that apply qualify. And we know that's not true because a lot of times people won't even take an application if they hear that, that someone isn't qualified. They'll just say, oh yeah, well, you don't qualify and just don't even take the app. So we know that's higher. But if you, you know, go out and serve people, you get the reciprocal business in return. So I think that was huge. Just like doing something without having something in return or not requiring something in return is a huge way to grow your business because ultimately you're putting value out there for people. And even if it doesn't serve you directly, you get to have the nice messages that make you feel good about, Hey, you know what? Maybe it is working. The other thing I liked too, that you talked about today was having those multiple touch points and standing out in different ways. So being able to give referrals back. So again, guys flipping the status quo on real estate agents, if you can give leads back to them, but also not necessarily having to give leads back, but doing things like, Hey, it's this person's birthday. So having multiple touch points in order to bring value to your real estate agents is huge if you want to continue to grow it. So those are the big takeaways that I got from that. Any kind of parting words, Stephanie, as we kind of wrap this up? I would say just don't give up. Definitely be persistent. Mm -hmm. And also, like I said before, be a valued team member. Do things that you think would help the realtor that would make their job easier and that have a genuine interest in their life. Because if you're not enjoying who you're working with, it's really not worth it. So just don't go after anybody because they're a realtor. Go after people 
that are like you, that you would Mm -hmm. not mind spending time with on a Friday night with your husband or wife or whatever. I think those are the best ways to be the most successful in this business. Yeah, I agree. I think that's huge. You want to do business with people that are like you. I mean, just like you want to do business with clients that are, you know, and clients want to do business with people that are like them as well. You're going to be miserable if you just take business from everyone. And maybe at the beginning, you kind of have to do that. But, you know, as you kind of get more established and you can decide who you want to work with, you don't have to take, you know, that realtor that calls you at nine o'clock at night every single Saturday because their, you know, preferred lender isn't available on the weekend. You know, they're calling you to do a pre-approval, you know, so it's like, you don't have to work with that person. You can pick and choose who you want to work with. So thank you for everybody for listening. Thank you, Stephanie, for being here. And if you're looking to flip the status quo on real estate agents, you can go to flipthestatusquo.com, learn a little bit more about how we're helping loan officers flip the status quo on real estate agents. And thank you everybody for listening. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning into the Loans On Demand podcast on loansondemandpodcast.com. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.